Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. You are listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting to you from the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast, the third coast of Texas. The darkest truths from the darkest web need to be told. And you must listen to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning into another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am your host, the Beyond Top Secret Texan. And I am broadcasting to you from the third coast, the Gulf Coast of Texas, the coast with the most. And it is my pride and privilege to be doing so. Thank you, listeners. New and old. Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you all those who's choosing to support me throughout these efforts, throughout the years, going into our third calendar year, third active year, as the greatest podcast in the history of this or any other world. And it's all because of you. The listener. That I do this, that I share my knowledge, that I try to get the information out here into the airwaves, into the Akashic records of our digital internet age. There are hundreds of episodes that I've created that are on YouTube, and there are hundreds of episodes I've created that are archived on the podcast. So, you can choose to search through the YouTube archives. That's all going to be free. I'm going to keep making that free throughout the years. That's just, you know, available information from 2020 onward in previous incarnations of this channel. So, we got our sea legs as we got our voice, our shark skin on. I decided to head out to deeper waters in our final and truer incarnation, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. Under the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast title and name, we have still produced hundreds of episodes We have released thousands of videos on social media. We have made thousands of posts on Instagram and Twitter. Shared hundreds of full-length documentary evidence, our research material, PDFs, entire books, and produced literally months worth of content if you were to watch it all from one end to another 
it would go well over a single month, well over two months, most likely, without ever repeating anything. <coughs> and as far as podcast archives go, that will all be put under the subscriber wall to help incentivize subscription and active support to the podcast. Without it, we cannot grow and evolve further. We cannot increase our production values. We cannot endeavor to make long-form documentary, DVD, you know, full release, self-published on Amazon, quality material on these subjects, which I know you love. And I definitely know are obscure and kept relegated to the fringest of the fringe. The most shadow band of the most shadow band. The most controversial subjects of all time. The darkest of the dark web. For those who aren't already following and subscribing as many things as you can or whatever you prefer to, for example, Twitter or Instagram, um, take your pick, pick your poison. Go ahead and use the link tree slash beyond top secret Texan. That's the link tree slash beyond top secret Texan. All one word, all lowercase to find a tr directory of links that are active. All the links you're ever going to need to keep up to date, up to the minutes on all the web activity of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. So let's get into it without further hesitation. With experience comes quickness, comes efficiency. A well-practiced hand makes quick work. And after two calendar years of this, hopefully I can get a little bit better at introducing the subject of the episode within the first 20 minutes of the episode. But yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, today we're going to be speaking about Possible explanations to the history and development of the world and of mankind and of history as we know it. On Earth, that is. Let me specify that. On Earth, that is. With humanity being the focal point here. Now, these are just some of the explanations that we covered on the Beyond Top Secret Texan already. And I'm just going to list them because I'm going to be reading a infographic where I will present each one and a slight summary of what they are if you would like to pursue them further into research. These are all great subjects, all great discussion points, and all great areas of the 
I guess you would call it paranormal, you know, cartography of the controversial, the obscure, and the occult. No doubt, each an academic heresy. And for that very reason, or to say it in that very way, is like to imply that it has a lot of truth to it. For if you're listening to the Beyond Top Secret Text, and you know that the academics, academia itself, exists to tell you nothing but lies. It's not the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. It's anything but the truth. The whole truth. And never, never the whole truth. Anything but the truth and never the whole truth. All universities are are glorified babysitters for grown children at their worst and at their best expressways into the free Masonic traditions that make up the elite like many different bricks in a wall, the many different fraternities and sororities, the many different secret societies, the many different universities themselves. Designed and organized, constructed to resemble the graduating pyramids of the Mark Mason to be a degreed bachelor. And that is a episode for another time. Intrepid and loyal listeners. No, today we're going to be speaking about these occult origins of humanity, <clears throat> histories of the earth, gestalt at all. You're going to be summarizing them and giving them out, and I'll be reading them from the order of most realistic, most middle of the ground, most uh, middle of the way, rather, middle of the road. The most middle ground intersectionality with the conventional, with the norm. Then spreading out across the X and Y axis of earthly to foreign. And I will be explaining, you know, when that kind of, uh, when it starts becoming either the extremes of earthly or the extremes of foreign. Now we'll start out with the most conventional, the most uh, understandably normal, if that term can be applied to any one of these 
uh, subjects, and then we'll go to the furthest extremes of near absurdity. Not to say that any of these are untrue, just that the existence of those realities and its truth would be as antithetical to our conventional understanding or conventional model of reality as to be considered insanity in today's mainstream. But remember, to be sane is to disagree with 95% of the population. And to be the one sane person in a mental asylum is not a walk in the park. So let's begin. In this list, the most conventional starting point that we have to begin this great intellectual journey of possible, I guess you would call it, uh, para-origins of the human race and Earth's history is that evolution of man was a war between mythical beings with humans coming out as the victor. Yes, this states that all mythical beings, dragons, cyclopses, giants, <clears throat> sea monsters, unicorns, dog people, uh, Blimeys, people with their heads in their chests, various dwarves and um, hybrids, such as merfolk, were engaged in an evolutionary arms race and ultimately were defeated by mankind and its iron weaponry in massive interspecies warfare that was a true crusade between species, leaving humanity to be the sole survivor or very close to it, sending all species, all other competitors into full retreat or extinction. Moving a little bit further, because that's kind of self-explanatory, I'd also like to detail, personally detail, that there is a... There is a lot of medieval art that showcases these events that are being discussed. Not so much written history, but hundreds of medieval paintings featuring human beings clad in knight armor, either engaging in warfare with dragons, sometimes wearing crowns, unicorns, <laughs> snails... Um, various other kinds of creatures like cyclopses and, and blimmies. And it's in painstaking detail. So, 
oftentimes described as just fleets of fancy between artists, one also has to realize that in the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, um, painting was a highly professional undertaking, and that uh, art on anyone's uh, behalf behalf. It wasn't a, a voluntary thing. You did it for fun. It was because it was under contract. It was under uh, payment or under order from the Lord or the church. <coughs> and so um, one has to think that in the Dark Ages uh, artists only commission or only were commissioned work that was relevant or serious in nature and given the designs of these things, um, they were painstakingly created. I will say that. They were, they were as legitimately created as any religious scene or any historical scene. And so to think that someone would spend about as much time as you would, say, the uh, war between the Anglo-Saxons and the, and the Normans during the conquest of William the Conqueror... Um, on a on a drawing of King Arthur fighting an army of unicorns on horseback, um, I mean there's there's a lot to say to that. All right, so moving forward to that, I would also just research that there was a war between human beings and mythical creatures, mythical beings, and a global global interspecies war of um, like a total war or were multiple species went extinct and that mankind eventually reigned supreme the sole survivor next there is no beginning and no end to time or to humanity or to the earth this is the Hindu Vedic understanding of it the great cycle Ouroboros the snake eating itself that we are in an infinite loop of civilizations rising and falling in cyclical apocalypses. Apocalypsi. And that, uh, regardless of details, the story will always remain the same. That a mankind survives, these cataclysms rebuilds, to a former state of lost glory until a disaster, either mankind-made or um, natural disaster, natural cataclysm, comet strike, what have you, Ice Age, Great Flood, Nibiru, the planet X, or intervention by a divine hand, Shiva, the, the goddess Kali, or Ragnarok-esque, uh, pantheon uh, battle between mythical int elemental entities like the fire or ice giants and the Norse gods of the sky. Basically, the world is reduced to ash and ruin again, raised completely down to its foundation, only to be rebuilt by mankind. The great and endless cyclical nature of the universe oftentimes represented as a snake eating its own tail, to signify the creation and destruction inherent in everyday life and the natural cycle 
of the world we live in. Philosophically, I would say this is probably more realistically the more realistic one. And I wouldn't have put it at number two. I would have put it at number one on this list. <clears throat> number three. Humans were mindless apes that were hijacked by alien parasites. Known as intelligence. This one is uh, very Don Juan. This is very uh, Castaneda. This is very the ancient enemy. Psychedelic users and enthusiasts love this one. The stoned ape theory. The psychologists and academics also favor this a lot. This is how wild their philosophy will go, is that the self, the ego, understanding, awareness, maturity, etc. are actually ills fixated on a rather peaceful and utopic ignorance ignorance is bliss and that intelligence cycles uh, the the overt conscious and overt consciousness is inferior and antagonistic to life compared to the subconscious or the um, the lack of internal narration and that language itself is parasitic our language itself is organic and that language being mimetic is incredibly important in the development of not only civilization but identity Definitely, I would encourage everyone to research the stoned ape theory. As well as the various theories of humanity existing with an alien hive mind projected onto it, shaping it with our relationship to what we consider higher powers or God or civilizations, etc., very interesting roads to go down mentally. To think that our society was organic and existing in a primate type of nature until it was intentionally, quote-unquote, evolved by mental, non-physical, either psychic or energy invaders that forced upon us modes of thinking and belief that create for them more favorable conditions to rule or to exist either gaining nourishment or spreading literally breeding like mimetics and that our primitive natural species was just the victim, the prey that they were searching for broadcast across the stars or maybe through uh, Van Neumann uh, mechanical probes like featured in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Very, very uh, 
important historical movie where they showed mankind in his ape form being evolved mentally, intellectually into creating weaponry and thus ultimately the technology needed to ascend to the stars to reconnect with a much larger probe that would graduate man to a next stage of evolution as intended by this um, intelligent design. This extraterrestrial in nature intelligent design. Next on the list, number four. Civilization was birthed by fallen angels interbreeding with proto-humans. That's right. Civilization was birthed by fallen angels interbreeding with proto-humans. And while this is the fourth, this is actually the religious canon as it stands currently. That true apocrypha, true religious scholars of the major religions such as the Abrahamic faiths, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, as well as now even the more secular occult world, comes to fully embrace the idea of hybridization. In one form or another, either with extraterrestrials, but most likely with spiritual entities that descend from their original station and create upon Earth a hybrid, a hybrid society of supermen known as the Nephilim. And the Nephilim produced offspring known as the Giants. This is, like I said, the most mainstream and accepted because both traditionally it is the uh, spiritualist view of the world. But anthropologically, there is a lot of signs saying that even agnostic or I guess you would call it even... Um, only those acquainted with any real religion, say the lay spiritualist or the superstitious aboriginal native or something, would hold true to this tradition. It seems to be almost a universal understanding across the world that mankind existed until influenced changed forever in the process of being influenced and merged more importantly merged either through literal interbreeding genetic manipulation or kind of extraterrestrial invasion into our beings and the fallen angels 
That theory of interbreeding with protohumans goes as far as to actually naming them, having the location where this occurred, Mount Jared, and then having entire genealogies and lores explaining to how that affected mankind's ultimate fate. That we see ourselves in now, after the our anti-Diluvian, or I guess you call it Diluvian. Given that that was the reason for the great flooding of Noah. Not after, though, and I know this, after the Nephilim killed each other in wars, and that the angels themselves were punished, typically by binding, by fellow angels. This was either before or after the known war in heaven. As the school of thought goes, as the tradition of thought goes, no real need to tell you where to research that, since it is literally the basis of the book of Genesis, of the Holy Bible of Christianity, the Torah, and the Quran. Fifth, evolved apes, defeated evolved spiders, evolved reptiles, evolved insects, etc. To lay sole claim to the world. This is in the same vein, the same basis of the prehistoric world war between humans and mythical beings. With the specification, the caveat, being that instead of purely mythical beings, such as the unicorn, or the werewolf, or the uh, vampire, or, you know, the dragon, these were representatives of every single species or kingdom of the animal kingdom, every single domain, or taxa, having produced intelligent species, quote-unquote, their peak of evolution, that appeared to be men, or appeared to behave as mankind did. Evolved apes being humans, defeating the human, or the spider equivalents of a man, or mankind, the reptilian equivalent of mankind, the insectilian equivalent of mankind, a fish equivalent of mankind, a bird equivalent of mankind, etc., etc., etc. And as it's basically the a, a version of the prehistoric world war between humans and mythical beings, the same applies, that there was interspecies, century-long warfare that eventually led to the sole survivorship of mankind and the 
Absolute Extinction, or Exile, or Retreat of these other species. This would also produce... Um, this is also connected to things like uh, crypto-terrestrials or ultra-terrestrials here on Earth. Which share our planet with us, which are as intelligent or maybe even greater intelligence than us. Maybe our main advantage was numbers, teamwork, extraterrestrial alliances, all good avenues for mental exploration. Next on the list, number six, the original intelligent living organism growing like the Tower of Babel. Excellent. Avenue to explore when it comes to thinking. Basically, imagine all of life on Earth with its many millions of different species originating from the original single-celled life form that evolved on this planet which seeded our world and like Adam populated with itself to create literally every living thing on earth Everything that has ever lived on Earth and everything that ever will live on Earth. All of it comes from that original blueprint. All of it comes from that original spore, that seed that took root on this planet and has never let it go. Has never released it from its fleshy, bloody grip every bird that or thing that has ever flown everything that has ever swam in the oceans or any body of water every single celled organism every multi celled organism every thing ever is but one related monolithic life form That is creating and perfecting itself, always adapting like a virus or parasite infecting this world. Keep that in mind because there are subjects later where you would like to have all this kind of in context because they will start making a little more sense as they start to stack up on each other. And you can retroactively consider that the prehistoric world war between humans and mythical beings or the great cycle or the war between evolved man and evolved XYZ or the alien hijacker or the fallen angels interbreeding with proto-humans can all coincide with the original intelligent living organism growing like the Tower of Babel. And that those were all essential steps 
into our ability to see this, to recognize this, to realize. We are but the cells in this massive fleshy tower of carbon-based life. Next, at number seven, we have humans are exiles from the ocean evolved to live on land. Now, I really like this one because I have an affinity for the coast and for the sea, also for aquatic ape theory, which I've done many episodes on. My personal opinion is that human beings evolved to be amphibious but were taken from our coastal homes and positioned into inland areas based on uh, extraordinary circumstances. But that mankind originally has its roots in an amphibian primate ecosystem where we would swim and be constantly located around major bodies of water. I do not believe that it could have been oceanic. I believe they were lakes. I believe they were on rivers, such as the river otter. Thus, our affinity for freshwater and our our incapability of absorbing salt water very well. But amphibian, the same. And that the connection to seafoods, as they are, you know, called, whatever, fish, shellfish, etc. And the omega-3 fatty acids help develop our intellect help develop our physiology, and explain why we do not have, for example, tails. Or, for example, um, a incredible ability to climb trees. You know, or, or the physical strength of terrestrial, or solely terrestrial, primates. But unlike primates, we can hold our breaths. We um, can sweat which itself is a very unique adaptation only to creatures with a consistent supply of water to resupply the lost water and sweat. In fact, the only known animals to sweat are amphibious, like the hippopotamus. Mankind is to hippos as to hippos are to their more terrestrial relatives. I believe it's the horse. I believe the closest relative to a hippo is a horse. 
So, yes. That analogy will still hold up. <laughs> this theory, though, I think extends to maybe an even deeper abyssal marine environment. But it's worth thinking that amphibians, amphibious creatures colonizing inward and thus things like mountains, deserts, dense jungles, and mostly the arid regions, the polar regions especially, being absolutely brand new to modern humanity, such as Antarctica not being discovered till the 1800s, or the North Pole, or no one having climbed Everest in the Himalayas, the Himalayas, however you like to pronounce it, ever. You know, like, these things don't make any sense, especially if mankind had evolved to live on Earth. But we did, we just evolved to live on a lake, or a river, which human beings still excel at. Next, number seven. We are still apes, and the current world is a long drug trip with death as the inevitable end. This is a really neat theory, and that goes back to the psychedelic uh, crowd, who believe that oxygen is actually poisonous or a psychedelic drug, and that the oxygen content or intake creates the shared hallucination of time and space or internal monologue or into society in terms of needing to have money or career or uh, so, you know social prestige respect in a group etc and that all creatures but especially mankind are susceptible to this poison which is oftentimes oxygen, but also things like um, mushrooms having the ability to affect DNA or to stay in one cellular tissue to the point that the original human tribe that ate the psychedelic mushrooms first created a psychedelic trip in which every child born to that tribe would be connected to that trip forever, or for at least a number of generations until it's renewed or recycled, thus explaining the psychedelic booms and busts, where generationally people embrace psychedelics, say the acid crowd of the 1960s, and then um, seem to resupply or replenish their genetic code with psychedelic experiences to be passed on genetically um, as they inseminate and have children of their own. Very interesting in terms of that kind of research and crowd, people who love DMT, people who love uh, psilocybin, people who love ayahuasca, uh, salvia, etc. will swear by it that our entire reality is but an illusion like a shared psychosis or a dream 
and that the true reality is the trip. It is the, the trip that you see that is the reality of the universe. Our reality is the illusion. And death is not an escape from a simulation or a matrix, but into a psychedelic state. Um, or a psychedelic state in terms of it's in comparison to our quote-unquote dream world, our real world. Which our real world would be the dream world, and the dream world would be the real world. Very interesting. Next. Number nine. We inherited the earth from a more advanced master species. This is from the biblical quote, The meek shall inherit the earth. But in terms of understanding, it is, in, it is understanding that we are an inferior species that survived either a war between or a war amongst um, like these greater God beings, these giants on earth, these literal giants in many cases and many theories, like ancient Tartaria, it fits in that, for example, as well as cyclical apocalypses. And that we literally rediscover all that they have created. And we have never made anything original. All our intelligence and status as a species on Earth is simply because we survived um, their destruction. Their apocalypse. Their nuclear holocaust or uh, war or against God or punishment from God or natural cataclysm or great die-off or simple, um, you know, simply they are not here any longer. And that these master species, uh, oftentimes described, for example, Orion Draco in my work that existed for literally millions of years, Developing and creating the surface of our Earth, as well as the subterranean aspects of the Earth, to only be defeated by an extraterrestrial race when mankind evolved within its kingdom, within its existing empire, and Earth, a rightful Earth as the dominant intelligent species on Earth, uh, then they were completely destroyed and forced into almost complete exile by an extraterrestrial species that was a foreign invader, literally an alien invader onto Earth, that intentionally destroyed that species to cultivate and evolve our species in literally the ruins of their past civilization, of this defeated civilization. Um... So, yeah, very interesting to think about that since, you know, that's the one I go with. And, you know, is also completely coherent and current with all the other ones, mind you. All these actually are very complementary with each other. And no, none really cross out the other, which I find very interesting. They're all, they all just intersect and can exist either syncretically or alone 
Um, it's almost like a pantheon of, of origin myths. They got number 10. Humanity was created as a compromise between the deities of construct and nature. Now, this one is a little uh, metaphysical. This one's a little bit like, oh, the elemental creators that are, you know, these existing entities that are based on singular concepts, like, uh, I guess you would call it pagan gods for dummies, uh, where it's the god of industry and machination and artificiality and order, and the god of nature would be the god of chaos or the god of art or the god of like creation uh you know creation versus destruction etc mankind was created as a golem as an avatar or an elemental of both with the nature of industry and construction and engineering and mathematics internally occupying half of its life and nature uh, beauty, growth, um, the world, etc. Oh, I guess it would all be the world, um, existing in the physical, you know, earthly flesh side of it. So it's mind over matter, um, and that this hybridized creation, us, exists in those two schizophrenic modalities with a deep appreciation and love and worship of nature, and at the same time creating almost non-stop machinery, uh, tools, redesigning the earth around us, creating uh, industrial cities, manufacturing global trade, etc., and requiring that to be defined as mankind. Without industry, without modernity... I would say without industry, we don't have the modern world. We simply do not exist as an intelligent species without the product of intelligence, without the industry of intelligence, or that the industry that intelligence guarantees and creates. Uh, mankind without nuclear weapons is not mankind. <laughs> I will I will always say that. Um, Mankind is 100% our technology and our engineering and our logic and our ability to understand things like sciences, in, like physics, etc. Um, not that we aren't all, you know, say for example, we, like I've said before, you don't have to be a human to be part of mankind. It's non-person personhood. Um... AI qualifies certain species of extraterrestrial and aliens and, and all um, intelligent life on Earth would qualify as mankind um, because that's the true nef definition of mankind. It's very nebulous. It's just a different kind of man. You know, it's a different kind of person. It's a different kind of being. Uh, it's a human being, not necessarily a human being, but there's a being. And, you know... Even intelligent life forms like dogs and, and monkeys and stuff qualify for that already on Earth. Like dolphins, they qualify for non-person human or non-human personhood, and thus are guaranteed things like rights. Like you got like you know humanity and treatment. Octopuses have now qualified for that in Britain, for example. Um, 
That's a thing, yeah. So, constructs of nature and industry, with industry being its own religion, industry being enough to create its own deity. Okay, number 11. Humanity as an experiment on free will on inert matter. Much This is basically the same one as number uh, 10, but this one being the concept of man being made of dirt. Man being made of clay. Man being literally crafted by the gods. And the nature of all these myths, say for example in Greek myths, Zeus man, made man out of clay so that they would worship them. But then men started becoming, um, started to suffer, and Prometheus delivered the flame, the fire of the gods to create mankind's society. But when once mankind had fire and technology, basically to create fire, the understanding of fire, the intellect of, of creation given to it, almost instantly rebelled against the gods and didn't want to worship them anymore. <laughs> And every interaction between the gods and mankind is either the gods raping mankind or mankind fucking with the gods to the point of near absurdity. <laughs> to the point like, I'll feed you my children and see if you can tell the difference. Like, why? Why would you do that to, the, to your, literally your god, Zeus? <laughs> you know full well this is Zeus. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> why? What is up? fucking wrong with you? King Lycos. You fucking weirdo. That's like, you actually read this shit, you're like, okay, so, mankind's free will is the big part of all of ancient classical education. Is hubris and the ability to, to know prophecy and to understand spiritual, I, like, terms like determinism and fate and, like, just the way things are and then choosing to ignore that, choosing to either ignore that or to spitefully rebel against it or to, you know, um, in like the terms of Achilles, like knowing full well through prophecy that you would die and having almost a arrogance of like daring it to happen. It's called hubris. Uh, Christianity is full of that. Judaism is full absolutely based on that. Uh, the history of Israel, for example, is an experiment on free will, or even the chosen people through the events of, say, Exodus, where they start worshipping the golden calf, or they start, you know, uh, rebelling against Moses, and things like that, and it's just absolute fucking lunacy. What people choose to do in these um, sacred texts because of free will. And you have to get to stand that people do not make the right choices because it's their choice to make, and people... It's 50-50 at that point, right? <laughs> if you have a right and wrong choice, it's 50-50 at least that you're going to choose the wrong one. And then it gets into the more cases that the factors multiply. But yeah, human, humanity is an experiment on free will. Basically, humanity is created as a compromise between deity as a construct and nature, with absolute construct um, 
losing out to uh, the natural chaos of free will, basically. So, yeah, 10, 11, um, definitely 1, 2, 3, 4. Yeah, 10, 11 are definitely the kind of like A, point A, bullet point B on that one. Okay. Number 12. Every creation myth is true. Competitive anthropogeny. I like this because it has two ways of interpreting it. One, that there is an original event that occurred which has been interpreted, not that there are multiple events that have happened, but that there is one event, one original soul event that has been interpreted by the many diverse cultures throughout time in different ways, some so wildly divergent as to be unrecognizable, completely veiled in symbolism and metaphor, or tailor-suited to apply to only specific regionalities or ethnicities, etc., tribes, or that are so universally vague as to just understand the core concepts or elements of what happened, or to be so specific as to be too detailed to be understood as a same event as another. Uh, Hyper-detailed, for example, such as the case of the Sumerian Anunnaki creation myths, where it is so highly detailed that it almost stands out as the only case of its existence, it's like it's a, a myth cycle, even though it is also universally probably the origin of all of them, including the uh, face of ancient Egypt, or say the Carthaginians, or uh, even the Christians, and that this what they would call astrotheology, for example, the worship of the zodiac signs, um, have been the origins of all the world's religions and spirituality. It's like, so there's that version of things. Or there's the version of things where every single culture had its own unique genesis intelligently designed to serve as an experiment or a, or a tailor-created um, you know, um, intelligently created or crafted Genesis, literally by what we would know as God or gods, and that all of them are as authentic as each other because they are all legitimately histories of what occurred. Say, for example, the uh, creation of mankind to the Hindus is accurate to the Hindus. The creation myth cycle for the Chinese actually happened for the Chinese. The creation myth, for example, the Maori of New Zealand actually happened in the Maori tradition. It literally happened exactly that way. Say the Aborigines, and they're, say, coming out of dream time, coming from dream time by the Rainbow Serpent, that really happened. As well as, say, at the same time, uh, God creating the Garden of Eden and creating the Abrahamic faiths. 
both those existing simultaneously as realities on this earth. Very interesting to think about. Every creation myth is true competitive anthropogeny. And as I've said before, all these creation myths can exist together. They can actually exist together. It doesn't even take mental gymnastics or anything like that. It just takes an open mind to see and connect the dots and be like, yes, the great cycle is is also a part of the original intelligent living organisms evolving into the Tower of Babel and that humans were hijacked by intelligence and that every creation myth is true. All of that works together or it could all cancel each other out depending on how you would like it. But if we are working towards a great homogenistic goal, a holistic goal of understanding with this fringe conspiratorial uh, world of origin myth cycle of, of the actual creations as they are, then this would be the direction where you want to lead, lead is synthesis. You want to synergize mythologies. You want to synergize people. You want to synergize mythologies to create an accurate picture of the truth, not cancel them out or rule them out based on favoring one over the other and then trying to fit all the world into one ideal but rather accepting all aspects of a story or all sides of a story to create a fuller picture next 13 we are the invaders from space. That's right. Human beings invaded the Earth long, long ago, but not in a galaxy far away. And that human beings have our or origins mysteriously on another planet or galaxy or arm of the Milky Way. And that we invaded the Earth... And through some great series of events, now find ourselves either unaware of this information or the survivors of some great uh, misfortune for that colony. For example, that our ship crash landed on Earth and that human beings decided, well, since we can't reach our destination, whatever that destination to be, than to colonize and live on this planet, regardless if it's inferior or, or hostile to our life or whatever. But we are extraterrestrial in origin. This is really interesting when thinking about our DNA or the concept of being interbred by fallen angels. The idea of fallen angels are a past, more advanced master race interbreeding and creating our current species with our primitive ancestors. Primitive but sexy ancestors. 
I mean, think about it. They would live in the wild hunting and foraging. I'm pretty sure they had great bodies. <laughs> but, I digress. Point is, the fallen angels looked at, <laughs> saw people in this theory, and were like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock that up. <laughs> or I'm gonna put my DNA all in that. And that we currently, as that plan was, like I said, this all works together. It all blends together. We are them, and they are us. And we can no longer separate ourselves with how fully we have merged. That human beings no longer even realize that we're not from Earth. Because that's how much of Earth we're from. That's how long we've been here. And that's how much we've changed this planet. Merging ourselves with this ecosystem, with this world, so efficiently as to be considered a native product of it. A native species of it. Even though genetically, I agree, genetically, the evidence is there to suggest a lot of intelligent design, a lot of intelligent engineering... But that could also be because it's a single, original, intelligent life form engineering itself to achieve greater and greater heights of evolution. Earth is a... Oh, sorry. 14. 14. Earth is a prison planet founded by a long-gone galactic empire. This is the Elrond Hubbard Scientology belief of things. And this is the product of intergalactic space operatics, including the imprisonments, the energetic imprisonments of criminal or deviant, wayward, uh, degenerate intelligences. In Scientology's version, they're called Thetans. They're basically ghosts of aliens, spirits, subconscious, psychic and prints and things like that, person personas, uh, mental parasites, etc. Which could also work with with other various things like the fallen angels, punished in this galactic war, the war in heaven, and the Christian mythos. Um, the humans were mindless apes that were hijacked by an alien parasite known as intelligence. Absolutely syncretic with that. As well as the psychedelic theory, because the trip, the psychedelic, um, you know, organisms being the spiritual entities of these aliens cast down to Earth or locked inside Earth. Think DMT, elves, think things like that. As well as the sources for, you would call it, the races of either Superman or the um, proliferation of jinn or demons, malevolent or neutral or sometimes antagonistic, but otherwise uh, as powerful, if not far more powerful, than human being entities that exist on our planet, but otherwise can't escape or um, are seemingly in the same existential boat, quote-unquote, as we are, you know, facing life, age, and death... You know, the, exactly, the Earth is a prison planet. And that we 
like them are stuck here, imprisoned, or that our consciousness are the ghosts, literally the ghosts and the ex-consciousness of these um, now dead, long dead uh, galactic figures. Okay, right, 15. Literally just the plot of Ancient Aliens. <laughs> That's right, literally just the plot of Ancient Aliens. It is basically just, just that, that humanity um, evolved, we were visited, they helped us build buildings, they ruled, they left, they came, they saw, they conquered, Winnie Winnie Witchy. Then human beings are now just trying to, I guess, cover the shit up. Like, <laughs> they lie about it as much as we can. And pretend that the monoliths are are conventionally made of hammers and chisels and, uh, I guess, string. I don't know what they expect, like, rope? That we tied rope around big brick blocks and drug them across the desert? Like, I have no... Stonehenge? Like, they, they, they want to think that people who could barely make closed-toed shoes made Stonehenge? And, like... <laughs> Like, I mean, the monoliths, I agree, this is, what ancient aliens is absolutely real, that the monolithic super societies of, were so much more advanced than mankind is currently today, to the point that um, the real monolithic sites like Gobeke Tempe, uh, Machu Picchu, the real pyramids and, and designs of those, as well as the mound builder monuments in America, and... Um, the ancient, you know, creators of, like, Palmyra and things, they were absolutely unrivaled, even by today's standards in architecture and construction, that we can't reproduce those things even if we tried. That's why they're world wonders, or wonders of the world. And that they are absolutely inspired or created by these extraterrestrials, star peoples, Beings, like I said, in my theory, the Astro High Command or the Orion Draco, uh, depending on the different localities, and that they are now gone. Is that they aren't gone? They are actually still here and and very much so, getting more active by the day. Um, but literally, that the ancient world, the ancient creation myths, the cities, the ancient created cities, uh, yeah, the plot of ancient aliens. <laughs> And like I said, that could be absolutely connected to say the Great Cycle. Um, them, like I said, we we did get into a war with other species, but we just had extraterrestrial assistance. You know, we weren't fighting alone. We had allies, uh, the Star People, and and etc. to defeat the other hybridized Orion Draco creations, such as unicorns, who were dicks. Because <laughs> we fought unicorns, but they had it coming. They were dicks. I don't know why we killed the unicorns. I don't know why we fought the unicorns, but we did. There's paintings of it. It's true. But yeah, that one's that one's not too not too interesting compared to all the others. After we've gone through so many of them, literally just the plot of ancient aliens uh, being kind of even considered absurd at that point. I mean, that's the more mundane one to mind. That's the more realistic one. That seems so, so realistic. That these were just not built by us. Because we still can't do that. That or they helped 
give us the sciences or the engineering to allow us to do that. Uh, they provide the technology um, in their, say, anti-gravity uh, devices or their ships or their lasers to help cut the stone and move it, etc. And that those structures were originally given to us as gifts of goodwill or just through charity or signs of love. Love and affection for their creation. Or they were spaceports, <laughs> and that they were just basically where the aliens would land and uh, create the cities that they wanted to see, wanted to be uh, living in, exactly, you know, when they came to visit. Like the Nazca lines and stuff. Maybe that was just, maybe that was created by humans to appease them, to celebrate them, to, to help communicate with them. Or maybe it was just art built by a society that liked hot air balloon rides and thought that was pretty damn fucking cool. <laughs> you know, like, hey, I got a big hummingbird and a monkey on this hill. You know, like, ooh, that's nice. Last one, number 16. We are just flesh dreams of a greater cosmic entity. That's right. We are just flesh dreams of a greater cosmic entity. This is what you would call the Hindu model once again. That this entire world is but the dream of Brahma or Vishnu, the lotus flower growing out of the navel of Vishnu, holding all of the universe. That we are God trying to understand himself through this material plane. That we are all but a dream. Phantasmagorica. Sorry, Phantasmagoria. <laughs> that nothing is real. That everything is based on energy, which are just the frequencies, the resonance of the original word of creation. That all of planets in space and time and all things in them and on them and all things we will ever know and all things to ever know are but the fantasies are the flute playing of a nuclear nebulous all god our Godhead that thinks all things into existence and once forgotten those things cease to exist. Also that our dreams create universes as well. I would like to throw that in there as part of this part, uh, theory, but it's not really highlighted in the information, that when we dream, fantasize, or create in our imaginations, we are literally giving life to universes that we will never physically be in, but then exist and are as real as our universes or our universe that we exist in. And that we have the power of gods 
in that sense that simply dreaming, sincerely creating, is giving breath to real worlds populated with real intelligent beings, as real as us, at least. Because if this holds true, then none is real, and we are as fantastical as they are, that we are as imaginary as our imagination is. This is also, say, for example, when children give life to their imaginary friends, or etc., that your imagination literally creates tulpas, and we are but the tulpa of a greater Buddha. A wise man who literally gave us life through mental projection. And as repeated before, how it works out and how it synchronizes, that human beings were mindless apes until hijacked by the parasite of intelligence, being that maybe we naturally evolved from the apes until a point of consciousness where this greater cosmic intelligence, which has no physicality, created our consciousness, projected it upon the flesh of the primate form to literally puppet and create its theater of life and history because it wanted to play out and to understand the balance of its own elemental existence. It wanted to give shape to the shapeless. It wanted to give form to the formless. It shows mankind to keep all of that in itself, either separate, as in the lodges of Twin Peaks, or internally the same, as in a type of schizophrenic duality that mankind has, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde nature, a nature of both industry, cold law and order, and chaos, cynicism and evil. The black and the white. It's very Jacob Bohm, by the way. If you don't know who the mystic Jacob Bohm is, uh, God is experiencing himself in the universe and trying to answer the question, where did God come from? Where did he come from? Where did it come from? By creating an entire universe, seeking that answer. Where all things in that universe simply add to the calculation, to the data set of what God truly is or could very well be a answer that is mysterious even to God. 
So all good and evil, all right and wrong, all material and immaterial, is God. Simply divided and broken apart and given intentional ignorance to this truth so as not to contaminate the ultimate results of the test that God is giving itself. Such is the very nature of Genesis, of origin, is that the one becomes two, the two becomes three, the three becomes four, and so on, and so on, and so on. Until the very universe is created. From that single unity, from that single point of origin, from that singularity of the great I am. And that has been the list of the controversial occult origins and creation because you call it the most obscure they cut the list of the most obscure and controversial theories for the origin of mankind That'd be a good thing to title this episode, and I'll remember to do that. So it's controversial and obscure. Para-histories, or para-origins, crypto-origins of mankind. And I'll read that list again. One, prehistoric world war between humans and mythical beings. Two, the Great Apocalypse Cycle. Three. Mindless apes hijacked by intelligence. Four. Civilization birthed by fallen angels interbreeding with proto-humans. Five. Evolved apes defeated evolved spiders, reptiles, insects, etc. Six. Original intelligent living organism growing like the Tower of Babel. 7. Exiles from the deep evolved to live on land. 8. We are still apes and the current world is a long drug trip with death as the escape. We inherited the earth from a more advanced master species. 10. Humanity was created as a compromise between the deities of construction and nature. 
11. Humanity is an experiment on free will. 12. Every creation myth is true. Competitive anthropogeny. 13. We are the extraterrestrial invaders. 14. Earth is a prison planet founded by a long-gone galactic empire. 15. Literally just the plot of ancient aliens. And 16. We are just the flesh dream of a greater cosmic entity. Thank you all very much for listening to another episode of the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. I've been your host, the great. I've been the host, of the Beyond Top Secret Texan. You've been a great audience. Thank you for listening to this entire presentation. Thank you for liking, subscribing, my social media. Thank you for reviewing the podcast if you choose to do so. And thank you for sharing this content across the web. It means the world to me when I see the name brought up on Reddit or 4chan, etc. When other people share my Twitter posts, when people share the Instagram posts on their stories, it means the world to me. It really does. It, it totally makes my day and lets me know that I'm being listened to. As well as when I get new subscribers on Anchor FM, that is the greatest way for you to show your support is by becoming a member for the podcast on Anchor FM and getting access to hundreds of archived episodes in the past where I talk about many of these concepts in detail in their own multi-hour long episodes. Now, I've already spoken on great lengths uh, to many of these subjects. I really have. Really, really, I have covered a lot of this material already. Although this list uh, may be new to you, it is definitely very familiar to me. So thank you all very much. I said namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all. God bless you and your families. Peace out.